welcome to Seymour, podcast about movies and TV. I'm John Gonzalez, and I have been itching to talk about this week's film for a very long time. I'm serious. This movie was supposed to be the topic of our pilot episode, but things changed. Schedules changed, and I'm glad that it took this long to get here because I feel like the show's improved. So hopefully my fear of doing this film justice is put to rest. We'll be talking about the 2017 Oscar-winning Call Me By Your Name, and what might actually be my favorite film of that year. More specifically, we'll be talking about the location of the film and how it's integral to the viewing experience. This film is directed by Luca Guadagnino and is an adaption of the novel by the same title. That novel is written by Andre Asiman. Both the novel and film follow romance between Elio, a 17-year-old student played by Timothy Chalamet, and Oliver, an older man hired as his father's assistant, played by Army Hammer in 1980s Italy. I should preface that uh, during the recording of the conversation you're about to hear, my guest Jack Summer and I state this film came out in 2016 when it actually came out in 2017. We also list off a lot of other movies we liked from that year, and we want to retroactively include Sean Baker's The Florida Project. With all of that being said, let's get right to the conversation. And as always, no spoilers. Call me by your name, and I'll call you by mine. Jack. Wait, fuck. <laughs> no, that's your... <laughs> Wait, no, that was right. You did it right. Yeah, Juwan. No, did I? I don't think so. Wait. Call I me by know. your name. Yeah, does that, even, that doesn't make any sense, really, <laughs> if, you, if you think about it. Okay, a new topic. That's it. We try. I'm really happy that that bit didn't work out, because if it did, that would be the all-time worst way to start. <laughs> Just like low-hanging fruit. Pun I couldn't intended. think of anything better. Yeah, pun intended. I wanted to talk about Call Me By Your Name for a long time because I actually saw it with my very special guest, Jack Summer, second time on the show. You can catch him on the Good Time episode. How are you uh, How are you feeling today? I'm good, you know, just ate a peach. Nice. We can't spoil a movie, but they know. <laughs> but we saw it together for the first time in the Paris Theater here in New York. Yep. Which is basically... Shortly yeah, it's like right by the Plaza Hotel, right by Central Park, Fifth, yeah. Fifth Avish. And that was actually my first time at that theater. So that experience is very unique to me in that, you know, first time watching the movie, a movie that I really liked, one of my favorite 2016 films in this new theater that I really enjoyed. Sponsor the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Paris Theater, the finest refreshments. <laughs> And everyone's like, the Paris Theater, but in New York? What? In New York, yeah. It's a very... (laughs) But I'm curious, where does the film, just really quickly, rank among your 2016 films? I I remember you liked it very much. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough call because that year had so many great films. I think it was one of the best years of maybe from like 2000 on. Like, probably the best year of movies from that point. Jack, we're like a minute in, and that's already a hot take. (laughs) You're in for a good one, folks. This one's... (laughs) 
not playing around today. Jack is <laughs> not playing around today. I can't put it above Lady Bird, which is one of my top five of all time. Wow. And Timothy was also in, in that, that film. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. yeah. Who's a lead in this movie, for those who don't know. And Plays Elio? Yeah. And in terms of other ones, I mean, Good Time, which you brought up, we talked about before on Seymour, the show. And I don't know which of these two I would put above each other. They're very different, as we'll go on to talk about. There were also other good ones like Columbus and Phantom Thread. So it's really hard. No, a lot of really great films. That was a hot take earlier, but I almost don't want to think too much about it because you might be. It's definitely, it was definitely one of my favorite years in film since I devoted all of my free time to watching <laughs> films. It's definitely up there for me, if not my, my favorite film of the year. That and Phantom Thread are just like masterpieces, in my opinion. Yeah. And two incredibly different movies. And you plugged the Good Time episode. And I think it's important that if you haven't heard this episode, check it out after this one. You know, not just because I want to get that extra listen, but also because <laughs> these are two very different films that we're going to talk about. And both films were surprisingly shot on 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Two very different looking movies that accomplished very different things. I, I feel like with this film, we could talk about so many things. The performances were really great. My favorite Army Hammer performance to date, it was Timothy Chalamet's coming out party. The cinematography was great. The coloring was really great. But I, when I was watching this film, and I'm curious to know whether or not you had this reaction too, I felt this deep sense of nostalgia for these experiences I had never experienced in this location that I had never been in under circumstances that I've may never experience. You know, that feeling is something I think about a lot because I think I have a lot of those sentiments from other movies and pop culture that I've seen or experienced. This one, I think definitely has a nostalgic tint to it. I don't know if I personally have the same connection or resonance to it maybe because it seems almost like kind of fantasy driven in a sense even though it's based in something real for sure but you know Italy is this place where time kind of suspends or feels like its own world in a way yeah and for those who don't know this film is located in Italy in uh, Crema am I pronouncing that right yeah Jack yeah which is also an Italian dessert filling, basically like Boston cream. And it's really good. I actually went to Italy during my time when I was studying abroad. Like I studied abroad in London, but I had some time off and I spent two of those weeks going around different cities in Italy. And I was just going to ask, what was your experience with Italy, have you ever been? How long were you there for? So it was two weeks total and went to like, okay. I think eight to 10 different cities, like went to a bunch of places and it was great. And even though I didn't go to Crema specifically, I did eat a lot of Crema desserts. Oh, And 
I feel like I have a sense for the town based off my experiences in Italy. Very nice. So if you don't know, the film is directed by Luca Guadagnino, uh, and it's actually based off the novel, Call Me By Your Name, by Andre Asiman. Yeah, and he and actually set it in a different part of Italy, but Luca moved it to Crema, which is basically closer to where he lives. But I mean, it all, you know, speaks to Italy in general. Pro move, pro move. <laughs> I knew this film was based off a novel, but if I hadn't known that, I would have thought that this was just a deeply personal film because Luca does a really great job of showcasing his knowledge of Crema and kind of what the lifestyle there is. I think that's captured very beautifully by the cinematographer, whose name hopefully I will not butcher, Sayambu Muktipram. Mm -hmm. And he actually shot the film in 35 millimeter in full. And I'm pretty sure that was Luca's suggestion, right? Yeah, he suggested it. I mean, like we talked about with the Safdie brothers in the Good Time episode, Luca is also someone who cares a lot about his visuals and the intention behind it and all that. So he was for sure very assertive of at least how he generally wanted it to look and feel. Absolutely. And that ties into the location too, you know, of having it set in this place where he knows better than where the book is set and adapting it, but still keeping the feeling of the story. One of the pros to the 35 millimeter is that Apparently, it's considered to be like slightly wider than like a normal angle. So it allows for the freedom of movement and range. So a lot of the still shots are not just of Elio and Oliver, but Luca did a really great job of capturing the background and making sure that the location was prevalent in almost every shot. Even the indoor locations had a lot of windows, a lot of natural light. So we always got glimpses of the natural life but it really did feel like i was there a lot right. of the b-roll footage helped too just the used bathing suits on the on right. like the toilet or just hanging from i think they do a really good job of capturing that that lifestyle yeah and that again ties back to his knowledge of the area and his expertise in using that to make the whole thing feel like something where you're just living with the characters and that constant connection between the cinematography and the location and how deeply they tie into each other because in many films just have kind of generic locations and yeah. this feels very unique and you know there's a lot of great Italian films but this one feels very distinct in how it captures it. I feel like a lot of films, especially modern films and blockbusters, are like New York or L.A. Right. Like those are the two kind of main. And yeah, this was incredibly refreshing. What I thought would be perceived as a fault of this film was a lot of the people that I spoke to that weren't necessarily fond of the film were just like, they're just hanging out in this house. But I interpreted that as like we were just living right. in this house with them as a third person watching this sort of almost dreamlike relationship happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, even if you're not interested in the story, it feels like it's just such a beautiful thing to watch and a beautiful place to quote unquote live in for this yeah. time of the movie. I think that the beauty in that of we're just living in the moment 
I think Luca did such a great job of that, that if you watch the movie back, he was able to keep the story progressing in very subtle ways through these very character moments and for the reception or a perception to be received as like, oh, well, we were just living and floating along, I think is a testament to the storytelling and the filmmaking that it all felt so incredibly natural because of that location and the way that the story was being told that it didn't feel like necessarily scripted at moments, which is crazy. Right, and with the idea you mentioned of things often being set in a LA or New York type of location, usually with those, there's not as much, I guess, grounding in the location in the sense of here, they're going to this place specifically to be in this world and to live in this world. And not just for the story, but they're also living there as people during this time. And in and out of filming, they're learning about the area and what it's like and interacting with the town and all that. And that bleeds in because they're isolated to being there and they're living together and having this shared experience. And even with like Timothy and Army, like being foreigners in this place and bonding over that too, in addition to just filming the movie. There's yeah. all these different elements that come into play. And Italy specifically, you know, it's such a place that hasn't rejected change, but it's just kind of stayed in its own kind of way and style over the years. Yeah. It's consistent. More than a lot of places, yeah. And that also lends itself to the idea of it still being able to be used, even though the story is technically set in the 80s and there are all these nostalgic elements to it down to like the coloring as you mentioned but really it could even take place last summer and it still would have felt similar you know changing some of the music and stuff like the psychedelic furs to who knows who would have been a good replacement but (laughs) i like that what you brought up that there's an element of this like timelessness factor Mm-hmm. And that pairs very well with, again, a very subtle, I think, dreamlike quality. Yeah. And that's made very effective by the score, which is right. another topic of its own. But the location allows for a lot of places to escape, too, so they can be alone. A lot of very intimate settings. They're in a lot of lakes. Yeah. Places with very not foresty. many people around. Yeah. Especially compared to like in New York, you know, which is very busy. Yeah, I noticed that. That's a great point. It was very vacant. The streets were very empty. It's like everybody left for the summer and very few locals stayed. Well, it's also a very small town. It's not like a Milan or something. And it's also in the countryside and they go to a lot of lakes and bike rides along dirt roads and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's definitely that element of... Like, let's go hide in, in like, a not-so-creepy way. Like, let's go right. hide in the bushes because, like, we need to get some stuff off of our chest. And I think they did that in, a, like, a very, for lack of a better word, just, like, an incredibly romantic and natural way that yeah. still felt dreamy and and just, like, incredibly lovely. I mean, Italy, too, in itself, I feel like is somewhere that has this dreamy element to it and also has this kind of quintessential summer feel 
I don't know if this movie works the same way. Yeah. In another place. I mean, it for sure doesn't, but it might not even work at all elsewhere. It would be just such a different movie. Yeah, because we've we've seen these films and none of them quite feel like this and I would have I wouldn't expect this film to feel as original as it does, especially considering the fact that it's based off of a novel. Now, I actually want to talk about one sequence that I'm fascinated with, which is in uh, Pandino Town Square, and there's the structure of like the Battle of Piave. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at history, but it's a it, you know it's this like major battle, and and this scene was kind of the moment where Elio Timothy Chalamet's character confesses his love in a very subtle way, I guess. Or he phrases it in a... He goes through a lot of growth in just this one scene while they walk around this sort of statue. And it's a one-shot take, which, fun fact, that was actually Army Hammer, who plays Oliver's suggestion to the director, Luca. And Probably one of the most noticeable shots in the movie, just from a technical standpoint. You know, you're just like, wow. Yeah, it's... I, I almost I wish I went back and watched to see how long the shot is, but it goes on forever, and we follow Elio's in the foreground and Oliver's in the background, and you can see Elio kind of like struggling with how he's going to phrase these words while they walk past this the sculpture, and it's very much like you know love is a battleground kind of like the symbolisms there, right. like he's basically taking a leap of faith, and it's in this town that we've we've been to before because they've gone to this bar in this town there's a level of subtlety there where they kind of let the actors do their thing in a way that isn't like a close-up or zoom in you've got your second lead behind the statue and and the message gets through because of again just like the use of the scenery and the symbolism i think that one scene is a really great example of how i feel about the impact of uh, this town on this movie, yeah, and it and does the impact it, that it has on those characters, and it does it in a very natural way, you know, like that statue. It both showcases something supernatural from Italy, while also having this symbolism to it, and you can watch. And it has that and, history there too, with right, that. and you can watch and not even notice or pay attention, and it still works. But there's also these underlying elements where there's more than meets the eye as well. I want to talk a little bit about how the location affects the characters. In this case, Elio's character is a local. So his family just goes up there. That's kind of their summer home. Right. Money. Also, <laughs> Army Hammer's character, Oliver, is initially kind of like the viewer he's foreign to the space we get to know the location through elio he gets to show him around and i think that dynamic really works from not just a storytelling perspective but also you know oliver has a line i think it's even in the trailer so he says do you know everything like is there anything you don't know and i think that plays really well into timothy chalamet's character of this sort of veil that he puts on kind of sits behind the sort of like smart, cocky, know-it-all persona that is lifted in that scene that we were just talking about. That sort of helps a lot too. It's like a, from just a storytelling perspective that we're kind of walking through this location with Oliver and seeing how he adjusts to the location as the viewer does too in 
the equivalent of you know real time during this runtime. Right, and Elio is having to deal with having someone come in his space and yeah, great invaded in a way. And things that he's used to having his way or not being bothered during certain times or, you know, he just gets thrown off by all these things happening and yeah. he has to adjust. And especially in a smaller town, you get very set in your ways. And especially with a, I don't know if luxurious is the right word, but such a nice, relaxed beautiful home in this beautiful place you know it's very easy to get set in your ways there and yeah be comfortable but the whole movie is around oliver coming in and disrupting elio's life and vice versa really definitely so there were in an interview army hammer once said that it was actually freezing when they shot the film which is really interesting because they were wearing next to nothing for the majority of the film. And they did a great job of making them look sweaty and making them look... You actually discovered something really interesting that I had no idea about. Yeah, it was like raining a lot of the time. And basically, it was called like a once-in-a-century rain. (laughs) And it really messed up their production schedule. So while the film looks super beautiful and very summery and while italy for the most part has that weather they got hit with some bad luck yeah that's incredible and the cinematographer wanted to just initially shoot with natural light but that was mostly impossible because of that rain which thinking back on it in my head when i think about the film i think it's all natural light Right, it feels very natural. Yeah, it feels incredibly natural. I also want to plug really quickly two YouTube channels that also go in depth on the movie and different aspects of the film, the inspiration behind the film. Uh, the Nerd Writer has a video on Call Me By Your Name and so does I Am That Roby. Those are two channels that that I quite enjoyed. So I want to put those out there as potential resources if you like the movie. Well... I think people should only listen to Seymour and that's it. Oh, so. thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. This is going to sound weird, but I think that we can move on to trivia and rapid fire. Well. Um, Unless you want to mention something else. I mean, it was also interesting that the city of Crema itself invested 18,000 euros into the film. Yeah. Including the uh, publicity campaign. So. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, they were proud of it. And businesses even got some compensation when things had to be closed for shooting. So I'm sure when a production like this comes in, it has an impact on the town, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. I I love that just like representation and that like pride. Grandma's like, oh yeah, we're, we're now. They feel like Toronto in the NBA. <laughs> Like, all of Canada gets behind Toronto, you know? Right. I mean, or not. I don't know how uh, everyone feels about the nature of the movie. That's a good point. You think they're like, oh, we had... This was supposed to be, like, the best-kept secret ever, and now we've got a bunch of tourists coming through because Timothy Chalamet. 
well like, that's one element but sat i'm in saying like in terms of the nature of the movie in terms of it being about a gay relationship yeah. if everyone yeah. approves of that or not that's and that's an interesting point because we haven't brought that up at all throughout this whole thing and <laughs> The buzz, I knew next to little about the film. The only thing I knew was that it's people were like, oh, it's a film about a gay relationship. And that was like the buzz going in. But that didn't, I, I think that was handled incredibly well. And I have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that anyone, anywhere would not be cool with that. But yes, you're absolutely right. Of, right. Know, I mean, I they know play it as Italy? just love is love. And yeah. It's a story about desire and love and relationships, but it's not specifically about being gay in that sense. Right. It's just more of a general thing. Of course, that applies into it, but they made it with the intention of it being just a broader love story. Absolutely. And I think it comes across that way. And yeah, even like in the you said, it's like hard to believe certain people i mean it's with anything in general with all of that but that people yeah. would have a problem with it but of course there are people in the world who do and from a filmmaking standpoint and maybe this is a testament to the book but there's always that i we're still in it where there's that scene of like the father disapproving or like they have to hide from the parents you know Mm -hmm. uh, spoiler alert but that aspect wasn't prevalent in this movie right. everyone was generally fine with yeah. <laughs> like if you know the the struggle and the in the battles were internal with right. the characters and i think that's something that everyone can relate to and i feel like kind of wrapping back up with the location that it's a place where it feels like there's a lot of freedom yeah. And a lot of openness to be yourself. It doesn't feel like a place of restriction. Yeah. Say if it was like set in, I don't know, Berlin or something, you know, where things can feel very boxed in or dark or oppressive. This all felt very open, literally with the landscapes, but Absolutely. just conceptually too. Not just free-flowing from a visual standpoint, but from a lifestyle right, standpoint, exactly. too. And that was definitely <laughs> accentuated from the location. Mm -hmm. Is that a real word, or did I just make that up? Accentuated? accentuated? I think so. I believe so. We'll roll with it. Yeah. Sometimes I make words up to sound smarter. Smartor. <laughs> uh, let's, let's get into some fun facts here. From here on out, these will be known as fun facts. So, Timothy Chalamet actually learned how to speak Italian and play the classical piano pieces used in the film. Bravo. Yeah. That's something that I admire about actors in that for every role, they often learn a new skill set or, or kind of learn a, you know, whether it's a language or, or pick up a new hobby just to kind of get closer to the character. Mm -hmm. I imagine you carry that along with you and it's pretty cool. You can be like, oh, now I can speak some Italian and play some piano. Right. So very cool. Despite various sexual scenes in the film, Army Hammer stated in an interview that the most uncomfortable he ever felt was during the dance sequence. Yeah. And it even became 
like a meme on Twitter and everything where people would just put other songs over the actual song in the movie. And yeah. he would just be dancing to whatever that song is in it. Yeah. It was pretty great. It's, it was like a great template for that. And I had seen several of those memes before I had seen the movie, just to show how far that went. <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah. Okay, so this one is sort of the topic of some controversy that came out of this film, because in the book, Elio is 17 and Oliver is 24. Now, that may rub people the wrong way. It doesn't help that Timothy Chalamet has very boyish features, and he was actually 20 when they shot this film, and Army Hammer was close to 30, he was 29. But the film is set in Italy, and the age of consent in the country is 14. I mean, also, I think a problem with critiques on movies in general, and I'm not saying either way for this, but is that people think everything should just be perfect in movies and that everything should just follow exactly the right moral paths and everything. But real life isn't like that. You know, things happen. And these are stories. They're made-up stories. And movies don't follow moral obligations, and neither does the world. Things happen in their own way. And that's just how it is. It's capturing something that has happened. Go off, Jack. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) No, I think that... I think there is a, a very... There's a line that we all walk with entertainment. And I think that it is important to have these conversations. For me, if the film set up the rules and everyone, including, you know, in this case, Elio's parents were okay with that. And the film told me that this is mutual and that... Right. And that's the thing too. Elio pursues him it's not like he's taking advantage of him and yeah of course you can argue like oh he's too young to know better and etc but that goes back to this is based off real life and stuff like this happens in real life yeah and and yeah so i just as a viewer it's easy for me to be like okay the film's telling me that this is okay in this world Mm -hmm. and everyone like those are the rules set so i can wrap my head around that But I also won't pretend like I know anything about Italy. And I actually didn't know that the age of consent in the country is 14. And I think it was also 14 in the 80s when the film was shot or when where where the film takes place. Talk about some of that timelessness working against you. I mean, people see this now and rightly so in an era where we need to be hyper aware. It's an interesting, interesting point of conversation. So the... Last fun fact is that Army Hammer did not only star in the adaption of Call Me By Your Name, but he also lent his voice for the audiobook of the original novel. Which, if seeing him on screen wasn't enough, maybe him whispering, Call Me By Your Name and I'll Call You By Mine, into your ear will be substantial. I'm definitely ordering that audiobook. Also to note, right after this movie, he decided to go do a play called Straight White Men. <laughs> yep. 
he wanted, <laughs> it's like he wanted to set the record straight. He's like, no, 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 no. Like a lot of, um, but let's do just some very quick rapid fire cues. I feel like the title for this segment's a bit more fitting. So the sequel novel has been announced to Call Me By Your Name, and it's called Find Me. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, got a couple cover of cover was just released recently. Yeah, so I wonder, what are your thoughts on the cover and the title? I think both work, although the title is super vague. Like... I know there have been descriptions out there about what the sequel is supposed to be about, yeah. but I've tried to avoid reading them, so I don't actually know. But it sounds like maybe Oliver tells Elio to go and find him. I don't know. Yeah. But that would be my guess, just based off the movie. It's as good a guess as any. Um are you going to be reading the book just out of curiosity? No. You're going to wait for the movie? Yeah, I'd rather be surprised. Yeah. Plus, I don't really read books like that anyway. Yeah, that's fair. I Yeah, it's 2019. What do you got to read books for? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a TV show now. Or a podcast. I wonder what would you have titled the book? I think they should call it Call Me By My Name because... Yeah. That's a lot more understandable. Dude, just there confusing. Were, there was there was like a Twitter moment of great potential <laughs> sequel titles. Or the peach could be another one. It could have something to do with yeah, with a peach. Or maybe a what different were some fruit. of the other ones that you remember reading? Uh it was like, call me by your name again and all <laughs> it was like <laughs> stuff like that, like just wordplay. <laughs> But I remember that was going around for a bit, and it was quite great. I wonder if you were in charge of this franchise. This is now a franchise, by the way. There's going to be like nine of these movies, and there's going to be... (laughs) I hope so. Call Me By Our Name, which is the culmination of all of them. (laughs) What would you... uh, Where would you like to see these characters go moving forward? I think the next one I would want to see is Elio getting out of college and wrapping up that period of his life and stepping into the real world, quote-unquote. And I'm not totally sure where Oliver should be. Maybe he's at a certain point in his career or something where he's in between jobs or something like that. I don't know. Or maybe going to speak at a conference or something. Who knows? But yeah, some type of event happening in his life also. I think I'd like to see another moment in time. I don't want to watch three hours of them dealing with the fallout of this first film. Mm -hmm. I think I'd like to see just another pocket, like another memory and where they are now would only sort of affect this new kind of, it would just add another layer of complexity yeah. Again, I'm not trying to spoil the film, but but Oliver's characters, you know, transitioning into another lifestyle at the end of the film. And I'd like to see that either come to fruition or that be something that both characters have to grapple with. Yeah. I mean, this also was meant to be 
this specific moment of time in terms of one summer, you know? Yeah. So it was always going to come to an end in a certain way. But like yeah. you said, transitioning it to another moment of time, right. maybe something also that's somewhat limited in how long it can be or within the period of the movie. Yeah. That's it, man. Thank you so much for being on again. Of course. This is our sequel episode. Where can people find you? They can find me in the depths of Italy, in Crema, eating Crema desserts. And also online at Jack Bloom Summer, summer with an O. And yeah, catch me in the summertime in Italy. All right, man. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. See you later. That was this week's show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can hear new episodes of Seymour every week on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And remember, Seymour is just one of many shows that Cesspool has to offer. For more info, visit cesspoolnetwork.com to see our full weekly lineup or follow at Cesspool Network on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Juwan underscore chirps, on Instagram at Juwan underscore snaps, or follow what I watch on Letterboxd at Juan Gonzalez. See you next week. Thank you.